Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Today's reading is from the book of Ezra, chapter 6, verses 19 through 22. The exiles observed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. All of the priests and Levites were ceremonially clean because they had purified themselves. They killed the Passover lamb for themselves, their priestly brothers, and all the exiles. The Israelites who had returned from exile ate it, together with all who had separated themselves from the uncleanness of the Gentiles of the land in order to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. They observed the festival of unleavened bread for seven days with joy because the Lord had made them joyful, having changed the Assyrian king's attitude toward them so that he supported them in the work on the house of the God of Israel. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. Well, good morning. I don't know. I don't know if you said good morning or not, because I can't really hear you. Um, Before we start, I want to um, bring up and recognize two of our seniors in high school. So Joel Nelson and Caleb Z, if you guys would come up here, and we can give them a round of applause as they come up here. Big accomplishment. I asked them a few questions about themselves um, to answer. You guys can come all the way up here. Maybe wave hi to your moms if you want. Um... Uh, let's start with, who do I have up here first? Caleb. Caleb graduated from Ankeny, and uh, he is attending Iowa State this fall to study software engineering. He is most excited about meeting new people and seeing where he ends up. I'm assuming like ends up like in life. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I asked them two fun questions. The first fun question I asked was, what's like the funniest or weirdest place they've ever fallen asleep? And Caleb's answer was calculus class on a regular basis. I also asked them if they, had a, if they had a book written about them, what would the title of the book be called? And Caleb's book biography would be Respect for All Walks of Life. I like that. His favorite Bible verse is uh, 1 John 4, 20. And um, he asked for us to pray for him. I asked how we can pray for him as he goes off to college this fall. And he said, pray that everything continues to go well for him as he transitions to college and then also for his family here at home um, as, he, as he leaves for uh, college. So that's Caleb. Joel graduated from Centennial, also attending Iowa State this fall, studying mechanical engineering, right? Great. Um, he is excited about meeting new people and getting to pave his own path. Uh, the funniest place that he said he fell asleep at was the beach, which... I'm assuming that means you got really sunburnt. Yeah. Um, and the title of his book that he would, uh, that would be written about him is I Do, But I Don't. I don't know. Do what? Oh, it's an inside joke. Well, there you go. We'll have to read, we'll have to read the book to figure out what it means. I do, but I don't. Uh, Joel's favorite Bible verse is Colossians 3, verses 23 and 24. And some things that we can be praying for him as a church family is that Joel will find a 
group of strong Christian friends that he would grow in community with them. Um, graduating high school is an exciting endeavor, and uh, there are a lot of new things that this season of life will bring. I know you still have the summer yet before you uh, move there, but it will bring a lot of new opportunities. It will bring a lot of new people in your lives. It will bring exciting times. It will bring joy-filled times. But with that, it will also bring a lot of challenges. It will bring um, a lot of new temptations. And I want to encourage both of you to remember two things. The first is that you are a child of God. Your identity, everything about you, is who you are in Christ. It's not in your major, it's not in your friends, it's not in your extracurricular activities. First and foremost, you are a child of God. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Second, I want you to look out at this new church home, this new church family, and uh, know that even though we are new, you always have a church home here. And whenever you come back, we will be here praying for you. We're sending you out, which is exciting because you're our first two seniors that we get to send out, so that'll go down in the history books. Um, and I know that AGC is new, but that doesn't mean we're any less committed to you. We care for you. We pray for you. We're proud of both of you. And so right now, I just want to spend a moment, and I want to pray. Uh, I want to pray for them. So actually, AGC, if you would, just as a symbol of laying your hands on them, if you would just extend your arm and extend your hand out as a symbol and a sign of laying your hands on them, I'm going to pray for them right here, and we'll um, continue on. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Caleb, and we thank you for Joel. Thank you that um, you raised them up. Thank you for their families and um, the fact that they have a, a strong foundation to, to go off of as they go into college. I pray, Lord, that you would go before them as they enter into this new season of life. Um, a lot of new things, a lot of unknown things, a lot of excitement, maybe a little bit of nervousness. But, Father, remind them that you are already there. You're already in front of them. You have already paved a, a path for them. Um, you are guiding them and remind them that all they have to do is listen to your voice and follow you. Lord, remind them also that um, they have us and they always can look back at us and they know that we are in their corner. We are praying for them. We are supporting them. And I pray that we would do that, um, that we would continue to uplift them and, and bring them to you and, and send them out as they go into, uh, into Iowa State. So we love you, Father. We again thank you for Caleb and Joel, and um, we give them to you, and we give this next hour to you, and ultimately we give our lives to you. We pray all these things in your son's name. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Hey, can you take this tarp off and then just bring it over somewhere else? Thanks. <clears throat> Let's give it up one more time for Caleb and Joel. <laughs> well, if you haven't already... Um, Take your copy of the scriptures and turn to Ezra chapter 6, verse 16. Ezra chapter 6, verse 16. Before the days of like Netflix and uh, streaming television shows, TV shows used to do this thing at the beginning of an episode. Uh, where they would say previously on, and then they would like show you like highlights of what happened previously on that show. And I think that's a really good idea. Well, now you can just like binge watch an entire show. But I think that's a really good idea, especially when we're like in the middle of a series, because Ezra chapter 6 means what? It means that there are five chapters before Ezra 6. 
So as you're turning to Ezra 6, let me just catch us up to speed and do previously in the book of Ezra, and, uh, and we'll go from there. So if you, remember, if you remember, Ezra chapter 1 starts with this king by the name of Cyrus, and King Cyrus issues this decree, and Israel has been in exile for a long time, and King Cyrus, this Persian king, issues a decree, and he says, hey, let's let these Israelites go back to their land. It's like a new exodus. The people of God, the Israelites, were under slavery in Egypt before. Then they had their own land. Then they were under captivity in Babylon. Then Persia comes, and King Cyrus says, hey, go back home. Set up your temple. Worship. Do all of the things that you guys do. And so there's a lot of excitement in Ezra chapter 1. It's like, oh, hey, this is, we, are get, we get to rebuild the temple. We get to experience God again. We get to worship God again. Ezra chapter 2 is a list of names. A list of names of everybody who returned. Basically, King Cyrus said, hey, go back. And these guys in Ezra 2, they said, all right, this is everybody who returned. These are their names. Simple as that. Ezra chapter 3, they actually get back into the land. The first thing they do is they drop their bags off at home. They go to Jerusalem. They build an altar, not a temple yet, an altar on which they offered a sacrifice. And they had a worship service. The first thing they did as a nation is they went back to Jerusalem and they had a worship service. They offered sacrifices to God and they started rebuilding the temple. That's Ezra 3. Ezra 4, they, they, were, they were in the process of rebuilding the temple, saying this is their identity, this is their home, this is who they are. And in Ezra chapter 4, everything stops. They get these enemies that come into the land and they stop them dead in their tracks. And they're like, what in the world? I thought, I thought God ordained this to happen for us to rebuild the temple. And Ezra 4, everything just stops. And the building of the temple stopped for 10 years. 10 years. These people, were, these people who were excited about rebuilding the temple, they get into the land. Ezra 4, it stopped, and they are stopped for 10 years. Ezra chapter 5, we talked about last week. Through the word of God and through the sovereignty of God, they start rebuilding the temple again. Through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah and then through a new king, King Darius, they get these, 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 this permission and they get this encouragement to rebuild the temple. So where we ended last week is they finished the temple. I mean, this is like, this is the place where the first time they finished the temple, there was a, a thunderstorm, way worse than this morning's thunderstorm. The first time they finished the temple, there was a cloud of fire, there was fire, there was smoke, there was lightning, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple, and that is where God's presence was. They now have just finished the rebuilding of the temple. So this is where we pick up in chapter 6, verse 16. So actually look at chapter 6, verse 15. Follow along as I read Ezra chapter 6, verse 15. It says this, this house was completed on the third day of the month Adar in the sixth year of the reign of King Darius. Basically, that's just a timestamp. It's like, hey, by the way, the temple is over, and this is when it finished. Let's keep going. Ezra chapter 16. I'm sorry, Ezra chapter 6, verse 16. Then the Israelites, including the priests, the Levites, and the rest of the exiles, they celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. Underline or highlight those two words, with joy. The Israelites, including the priests, the Levites, the rest of the exiles, they celebrated the dedication of the house of God with joy. Let's keep going. Verse 17. For the dedication of God's house, they offered 100 bulls, 200 rams, 
400 lambs as well as 12 male goats as a sin offering for all of Israel, one for each Israelite tribe. Verse 18, they also appointed the priests by their divisions and the Levites by their groups according to the service of God in Jerusalem, according to what is written in the book of Moses. Okay, basically what's going on here is they finish the temple, right? They finish rebuilding this temple and they celebrate the dedication of this temple joyfully, with joy. And then it recounts, this is what they did. This is how many bulls they sacrificed. This is how many lambs they sacrificed. This is how many whatever. This is, this is their worship service. They are now finally, they now finally have an identity. And they offer all these sacrifices according to the book of Moses. So they have the Pentateuch, the book of Moses. They're reading it and they're like, this is what we need to do. And so they do it. Let's keep going. Verse 19. This is where we're going to slow down for a minute. Verse 19. The exiles observed the Passover on the 14th day of the first month. The exiles observed the Passover. Passover is uh, what I like to call a greatest hits word. Like, you know how uh, bands will have like a greatest hits album? Or now it's like a Spotify playlist, like best of Justin Bieber or whatever, um, which Justin Bieber's great. But uh, when I was a kid growing up, my dad had this Journey greatest hits CD. And he had it in his car, and there were like, I don't know, six or seven songs on it. Not a lot. So, but whenever I was in the car, I would hear these, these songs from Journey. My dad loved 70s and 80s rock and all that stuff. So I would hear these songs, these Journey songs, and basically it was just Don't Stop Believing and Open Arms, which are like the two most popular songs ever. So I get older, I get into high school and college, and people are like, you know, we're talking about music or whatever, and Journey comes up. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I love Journey. And then somebody would be like, well, how many songs do you know? And I was like, what? well, I know. I know two, two Journey songs. They're like, you don't know Journey. And I realized in that moment that even though I had heard the greatest hits of Journey, even though I had like heard just a few songs, I didn't actually know the band at all. I didn't know any other song other than those two songs. The same thing, I'm convinced, the same thing happens with biblical words or terms or theologies. We'll hear words like faith or uh, justification or gospel, even. And we're like, yeah, 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 I, I know. Those are like the greatest hits of, of the Bible. You can call them Christianese or whatever. We, we, we think to ourselves, yeah, I, I know what those are. But then if you actually slow down and you try to actually define it or you think about it or you contemplate it, a lot of times I find myself thinking like, well, maybe I actually don't know that as well as I thought I did. That's what Passover, Passover has that effect. At least it did on me. Where I heard the word Passover, I'm like, yeah, I know what Passover is. But then it's just like you think about it, you're like, well, wait, where, where did it come from? Where did it... So what I want to do is I want to take a minute, and I, wasn't go, I want to go over what the significance of Passover really is. And Passover, just its definition, means to pass over something. Eh? This is why I went to seminary, right? Um, Passover means to pass over before the time of Ezra and Nehemiah, <clears throat> long ago, long ago, like, like at the very beginning of our Bible, there's this people group, the nation of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob has 12 sons. One of those sons is Joseph. Joseph gets put into captivity in Egypt. Then he uh, eventually gets to power in Egypt. Well, it says in Exodus 1 that Joseph died, and all of these Israelites are kind of like refugees in this land of Egypt. This entire family, which is now growing. They're multiplying. They're fruitful, multiplying. They're filling the earth. They are now growing large in this land of Egypt. And What's happening is that Egypt, after Joseph died, Egypt looked at these people and they were like, well, there's an entire foreign you know, group of basically like immigrants and exiles. Let's enslave them. 
and let's make them do all of our manual labor for us. So that's exactly what happens. For 430 years, Israel was in slavery to Egypt. 430 years, Israel was enslaved to Egypt. By the way, that's like double, almost double the age of America, United States of America. 430 years, Israel is in uh, slavery to Egypt. Well, God hears their cry, right? He raises up a leader, Moses. Moses goes to Pharaoh. He says, let my people go. If you've seen The Prince of Egypt, it's a great movie. You should totally watch it. He says, let my people go. Pharaoh says, no way, Mose, right? And um, then Moses is like, all right, fine. Well, then there are these 10 plagues that come. And what God does is he sends these 10 plagues, and each one kind of gets a little bit more significant and more serious than the last. The last plague ends with God, the Lord himself, coming into Egypt and taking the firstborn son of every family. God himself, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a horrific plague where God himself comes in and he takes the firstborn son of every, he kills the firstborn son of every family, except those who observed a meal together. They, they had this specific meal. We now know it as Passover meal. Moses instructed the Israelites to take a one-year-old lamb without blemish, to slaughter it, to eat the body of the lamb, and then to take a branch and dip it in its blood and to put the blood on the doorpost, put the blood of the lamb on the doorpost of this house, thereby marking and defining everybody inside by the blood of the lamb. And when the Lord came that night, when he came, he would, see, he would observe the fact that they ate the flesh and they ate the body of the lamb and they put the blood on the doorpost of the lamb and he would pass over them and he did not take and not kill their firstborn son. That was the f very first Passover. So Pharaoh wakes up in the middle of the night because everybody's screaming because their firstborn sons were all dead, and he himself finds out that his firstborn son is dead, and he says, Israel, get out of here. And of course, they, they go through the, the Red Sea into the wilderness. They are in the wilderness for a long time, and then they end up coming, and as they're in the wilderness, God tells them to remember that Passover meal every year. God made it a holiday. That's how significant it was. He said, observe the Passover every year. Because when these people observe the Passover, God wants Israel to remember that through Passover, he is faithful. God wants Israel to remember that through Passover, he brings his children out of slavery. He brought his children out of slavery to Egypt. God wants people to remember through Passover and through this blood of the sacrificial lamb, that they are saved not just from slavery, but they are also saved from death. God wants Israel to remember that through Passover, the people who are marked and defined by the blood of the lamb are saved from slavery and saved from death. So generations go by. We catch up to speed in Ezra chapter 6. And what is the first thing they do when they get into, when they, when they build the temple? Is they observe Passover. Why? Why would they observe Passover? Because they are reminding themselves that God was faithful then, and he also was faithful now. Through Passover, through the meal, through eating the body of the lamb and, and being marked by the blood of the lamb, God, they are reminding themselves that God brings his children out of slavery. The first time it was out of slavery in Egypt, this time it's out of slavery and exile in Persia. They are reminding themselves that God does not forsake his promises. 
God promised them to be a people. God promised that they can worship him. God promised that they would have his name on them. They're reminding themselves that God is strong and powerful to defeat his enemies and that through his sacrificial lamb, he saves his people from death. So that's what Passover is, and that's why they're observing it here in Ezra chapter 6. Let's keep going. Ezra chapter 6, verse 20. All of the priests, all of the Levites were ceremonially clean because they purified themselves. They killed the Passover lamb for themselves, their priestly brothers, and all the exiles. The Israelites who had returned from exile ate it together with all who had separated themselves from the uncleanness of the Gentiles and land in order to worship the Lord, the God of Israel. Follow along in verse 22. They observed the festival of unleavened bread, which is uh, at the same time as Passover, for seven days with joy. Verse 22. They observed the festival of unleavened days, unleavened bread for seven days with joy. Joy. Underline those two words, with joy. Because the Lord had made them joyful, having changed the uh, Assyrian king's attitude toward them so that he supported them in their work in the house of the God of Israel. How did they celebrate? With joy. We underlined those two words with joy in verse 22. What did we underline in verse 16? Those two words, with joy. This passage starts with joy and it ends with joy. And what do you think is right in the middle of this passage? What is the climax of this passage? What is the hinge, the foundation of this passage? Literally right in the middle is Passover. Verse 19. Meaning what? This passage starts with joy. They are celebrating the dedication of the house of the Lord with joy. This passage ends with joy. They celebrated this festival with joy because the Lord has given them joy. What is the foundation of that joy? Passover. The author is telling us that the remembrance of God's faithfulness brings joy. The author is telling us that when this people, when this people, we're going to get practical here in a second if it's not already, when this people in Ezra 6 observe Passover, when they remember that the blood of the lamb saves them from death, when they remember that God himself saves them from slavery, there is joy. When they physically, when they make all these sacrifices, when they celebrate, when they have this, this holiday for seven long days, remembering how God has been faithful then, how God is faithful now, and how God will be faithful in the future, what's the response? Joy. Now, joy isn't this like flippant emotion, right? It's not like this something, biblical joy, I should say. Biblical joy is not this uh, circumstantially, um, um, circumstantial emotion, right? I think a lot of times we have circumstances and emotions. There's the circumstance that happens, and then the direct result is an emotion. Something bad happened, we are sad. Something good happened, we are happy. Joy is something that can be an emotion, but biblical joy is not based on circumstances. Biblical joy is not based on circumstances. Biblical joy is based on the faithfulness of God then and the hope and belief that God will be faithful again. And living in that moment, in that in-between, is exactly what these people here are doing. And that's exactly what you and I are called to as well. In the Bible, there are only four times that Passover is observed, recorded. Obviously, Passover is a Jewish um, holiday that they celebrate yearly. They still celebrate it to this day, by the way. Um, but only four times it's actually accounted in Scripture. 
first time is the original Exodus, then uh, the first temple being built, they celebrate it. The second temple right here in Ezra being built, they celebrate it. And the very next time that the Bible records the celebration of Passover is in the Gospels with Jesus. Jesus, the night before he was trade, betrayed, was in the upper room with his disciples celebrating what holiday? Passover. But Jesus was remembering the sacrifice of the lamb and the blood that was shed and marked the people and thereby saved them from slavery and death. And he now says, it is actually my body that you eat, and that is the sacrificial lamb. It is, this is the cup of the new covenant, which is my blood. When you are marked and defined by the blood that's not on a wooden door frame, but on a wooden cross, you are now not just saved from slavery and of sin, but you are slave from slavery of death. Because in Egypt, they were enslaved to Egypt. In Persia, they were enslaved to Persia. In Babylon, Babylon. What are we enslaved to? What does Paul say we're enslaved to? Anybody who sins is a slave to sin. What is our death? The wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through the sacrificial lamb, through Jesus, through the Christ, through the Messiah. And so when we observe Passover, i.e. the cross, we recognize that in that moment, God passed over our sins through the death of the sacrificial lamb, who is Jesus. That when Jesus went to the cross, it wasn't just because he thought it was a good idea or because this. He was enacting this celebration of Passover where God, in his sovereignty and his love and his mercy, because he loves you and I so much, he decided to become that sacrificial lamb. He decided to be the lamb that was slain. And now when we participate in his life and we participate in his death, we are freed from all of it. Why? Because he rose. And so if we participate in his death, we also participate in his resurrection. And so in this moment, Jesus is reminding his disciples that they are redeemed from slavery and death. And what other response, what other response than joy. In Ezra 6, we saw Passover was the center and joy was the book ends on either side, meaning that what the foundation of the Passover, the God who is faithful, who saves, brings about joy. What is our response? What is your response this morning to knowing that Christ in his love has passed over our sins? Christ in his death, it is no longer us who has to die. It is no longer us who has to make a sacrifice anymore yearly. There is one sacrifice. There's an ultimate sacrifice, and his name is Jesus. So do we have that joy? Do you have that joy? Do you have that joy that despite your circumstances right now, you know that God's past faithfulness and God's future faithfulness bring about something in you that cannot be hindered? Joy. They bring about something in you that doesn't, uh, isn't wishy-washy like, like emo circumstantial emotions, but rather has its roots deep, its foundation secure joy. Do we have that joy? Do we have the joy that comes by only being found and marked by the blood of the Lamb? I want to um, sit with that question for a little bit, uh, but I also want us to take a moment and pray. So actually, I'm going to invite the, the band to come back up here, and I want to just have a moment of reflection a moment of prayer, a moment of contemplation, and, and, and 
if you're here and uh, you're in a situation where your circumstances don't um, make any sense and joy is really, really hard for you, don't hear me say, well, just cheer up. Because that's not, that's not what the Bible is saying either. Biblical joy is rooted in the remembrance of what God's faithfulness in the past and God's promise for the future. And um, if, you, if you haven't believed that, this is the perfect time to do that. If you haven't believed in the, the death of the sacrificial lamb for our sins, this is the perfect time to do that. If you have believed it and you forgot, this is the perfect time to remind ourselves. This is why we gather week after week after week, to remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us, to remind ourselves that God in his sovereignty and in his love and in his word, he saves us from the slavery of sin and he saved us, saves us from the power of death. So I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to continue to respond in worship and singing that Jesus himself is the one that paid it all. Father, we thank you so much for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Thank you that it is by observing your sacrifice that we have joy, and we have joy abundant. We thank you that um, our circumstances don't determine where we're at, but Lord, you and your sovereignty, you, you give us hope. You give us joy. You give us faithfulness. Allow us to remember that um, you and your love for us, you did not leave us in our sin. You did not leave us in our death, but rather you offered a sacrifice. You made a way. It, was, it used to be a lamb year after year after year, but uh, you sent your own son, Father, to be the ultimate sacrifice. And Lord, allow us to be marked by his blood. Allow us to remember that it is Jesus that paid it all, and we are his. We are your people, the sheep of your pasture. Father, allow us right now to enter your gates with thanksgiving and joy. Allow us to enter your courts and your presence with praise and with song. Give us a joy that can't be contained. We pray all these things in your son's name. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.